0: Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.
1: Welcome to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. Our show is all about the exciting world of real estate and, in particular, how it relates to the lucrative New York market. But if you're not planning a real estate transaction in New York, we still have plenty of information that you can use no matter where you are. Now, here's your host, Vince Rocco. Good morning,
2: everybody. It is Tuesday, July 25th, and at this hour... Buying an apartment in a co-op is an exercise in financial exhibitionism. A board combs through your bank accounts, tax returns, and testimonials, and then if you pass muster, grants you access to to its cloistered world, but sometimes it doesn't, and you can get turned down. We're going to talk about that, how it happens, why it happens, and what the drama is all about. Also, at this hour, what makes you different makes you stronger. Take who you are, what you have a passion for, and what... Uh, you enjoy and mold your business around you do not let your business shape who you are. these are the words of Ray Lord who is with us today and we are going to break it down and talk about it. plus the panel is here for hot topics but first I would like to welcome my listeners in the United States and around the world. you are listening to good morning New York real estate. I am your host Vince Rocco and if you want to call into the program today, the number is one eight six six four seven two five seven eight eight that is one eight six six four seven two five seven eight eight. Uh, If StreetEasy wanted to test the loyalty of the city's rental agents, they have their answer. Within 24 hours of introducing a new $3 per day, fee for rental listings. The number of rentals posted on Street Easy's platform plummeted 55% last week from 30,000 on Monday to 13,000 on Tuesday. The figure rebounded slightly by Wednesday morning to 15,880 rental listings, according to an analysis by Brokerage TripleMint. Although the fall in listings was expected, the purge reflects that it's largely up to individual agents to decide whether to feed their listings to StreetEasy. So very controversial. We've talked about this uh, in the last couple of weeks. I'm uh, going to ask you before I, we get onto to our topics of the week, what is the latest on the StreetEasy debacle, guys?
3: They've, they sent out an email on Friday to people who opted into their $3 a day program uh, saying that they were going to uh, not charge for the first week of the program because of quote-unquote technical difficulties. Um, I don't think I don't think it's going to last personally um, you know they decimated their data, database um, It within five minutes of looking for an you can see that the uh, information on the website is uh, incomplete so you know it's very
2: interesting because I got that same email however <laughs> I check my listing I only have one rental listing but I check it every day it is still up there I'm not opting in I'm not paying for it at the moment um, and we're trying to sort that all out with my company but my listing is still up there, so they have not taken it down, and I check it all the time. So I don't know if it's just something that they've missed, a one-off, or if it's uh, they I, just haven't gotten. T- I think to Halstead's that.
4: Yeah. underwriting it at the moment, at until, the moment. The, until the political. Details and the final.
0: Decision. That's what I thought,
2: but I hadn't had time to look into it. It's it's just you know one rental listing. However, you know it can be catastrophic for those out there who make a business out of rentals or who have lots of them at this time, and you know need to be paying three dollars well, per that. day. Forget
4: that. It's really about what's right for your client. Um, but it is you know I, literally in 2006, I was like, this is they're going to hold us hostage. Mm-hmm. Maybe not today, but they're going to hold us hostage.
3: Yeah, uh, I heard uh, Zillow's testing out brokerage uh, models in uh, Florida right now. So in Orlando, they actually have like salaried agents or something like that. Um, I heard this from a, a Remax owner. Didn't we go
2: through this a number of years ago with salaried agents? I don't remember where it was, but then it just didn't really. It was it, that that temp that temp company that was here for a, a few years back in DC. Okay, uh, Redfin uh, is doing that uh,
4: from London.
3: From,
2: from
4: you know, London, the
3: Foxtons. Uh, Foxtons Fox, right? tried it. Yeah, yeah. Um, you can't you can't. You have to have people that are willing to go above and beyond. So a
5: salary doesn't really work in this business. No, absolutely not. And you I wanna know how no, the IT department feels it's treat Easy, that they blamed it on technical difficulties. I feel bad for them. <laughs> <laughs> because we know that's not the truth. Yeah. Come on. Let's, let's market under poor leadership.
2: <laughs> yeah, but I think Louise's point is correct though. I mean, it really comes down to supporting your or or servicing your client. And you know, you've got to do what your client needs you to do. And if they give you the listing to rent, you gotta get out there and rent it. So if you have to pay for it, you have to pay for it at the end of the day. Until we figure it out, but I think you're right, our company is, is underwriting it at the moment. Um, you're gonna see don't know all the websites details but true.
4: like <clears throat> Breaklace.com, that are gonna seize the moment. There are a lot of I mean every day I get six or eight emails from websites that are looking for platforms yeah. like inviting you, yeah. You list your listings.
2: Absolutely. All right, we're going to move on to some of our hot topics. We're here today with Matthew Cohen from Core Real Estate, Louise Phillips Forbes, as always from Halstead, Sean McPeak from Compass, and Ray Lord from Douglas Elliman, the Hamptons, and New York. We're going to talk a little bit about co-ops this morning, but I want to first get into uh, the debt-to-income ratio. What is the typical DTI or debt-to-income ratio requirements that by the board, is it under 30% for most buildings in the New York City area, or not? I mean, there, there seems to be a controversy every time we we you know have to do a co-op board uh, application uh, about what that real number is, and it, it differs sometimes from what your banking, your financial you know officer requires in for your loan. Um, but what is it typically in a co-op uh, in New York City debt-to-income ratio?
4: My experience has been I've always utilized a guideline of twenty five percent debt ratio for your housing, and if a building allows an interest only mortgage, which means that you're not paying down your your principal, you're only paying making the payment on the use of the money. Which I'm commission only, so if I have a hundred thousand dollar commission check, I can actually buy down my mortgage and adjust my interest. Interest payment, but my guideline for interest only, if the building allows it, is a 20% debt ratio because often the board's philosophies feel that that is not um, as responsible as buying down part of your principal you know 97% of it in the first 3 years is interest only.
2: Louise explain to the audience because you you've got a ton of co-op experience. What exactly is debt to income ratio and 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 how do we measure that?
4: So you take your income and um, your income of let's say $100,000, mm-hmm. you divide that by 12 months of of what you make monthly and then you divide that by by 4 so you are 25% so you ba- so it then tells you what you what your maintenance and your mortgage will cost solely dedicated to housing but i take it a step further in my sort of my uh, analysis when i'm guiding people through or choosing a buyer and i try to utilize full debt that's car payments not just housing car payments student loans secondary homes if they don't have a mortgage on their secondary home but they have a real estate tax we have to think about that mm-hmm. um and i and i try to utilize a 25% debt ratio banks today are allowing up to 43% which is in my opinion 2007 all over again and Uh, irresponsible.
2: I wanted to ask you about that because in the research I did, I came up with the same number, 43% by the banking. I think that's extremely irresponsible, but yet they seem to be a lot more difficult than they have been in the past. So I don't Uh, understand where that number comes from.
4: We have had the the greatest surge of first-time buyers experiencing ability to buy. I mean, I... You know, to buy in New York City is not an easy feat and it takes much more cash here than mm-hmm. it might in, I don't know, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. But um, the bottom line is, is that we still need to be disciplined so that we don't let things get out of hand. And when you do the, you know, I'm advising my first time buyers to do at least a 10 year arm, which means they they have a fixed, a 30 year mortgage that's fixed payments for ten years, if you get into that three, five, seven, where are we going to be in three to five, seven years? I mean, I've been in the business when when interest rates were twelve point eight percent, and a hundred thousand dollars cost twelve hundred and eighty dollars a month.
2: My first interest rate on my first condo that I purchased was 12%, twelve percent, point something percent back in the day. I Dating get that. yourself. I'm dating myself, and I thought these that these guys was,
4: weren't even born.
2: No, they weren't, and I thought that that was a, a good deal because it was down from like 18 or 19 percent. So.
4: You Let me know, just say that again. The, These guys weren't even born. They I'm were, kidding.
2: They were babies. <laughs> they were babies. We're sitting. Louise and I are sitting with a ton of millennials here. We love them.
4: They're very cute, by the way.
2: They're very cute. All right. So 28% is 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 like the the max that I think you know the the standard would be. But most buildings kind of fall between 25 and 28%. Like Louise, I tend to when I'm looking at at debt to income ratio in a co op. I tend to want to work with the 25 because you, you have a little more flexibility with that. And also keep in mind that this is not a building standard. Every building is different. Every building has a, a crazy requirement. Some buildings some, are 50% down and some are 100% down. So it doesn't even apply.
4: All cash buildings. All cash. but and, and that debt ratio is not even analyzed. That's really about what your post-closing assets are. And you know, I, I have and currently have in- you know, submitted board packages that have 27 and 28%, but I have not submitted those board packages or accepted that transaction without dotting my I's and crossing my T's for all those brokers to make sure that you have access to somebody in the building where your owner knows somebody on the board so that you can actually have a side letter that if the board asks for money in escrow, you have a gentleman's agreement that they will, in fact... Put six months or a year of maintenance in escrow.
3: Yeah, I mean it's totally um, having a feel for the building and the board and uh, knowing their history of what they'll accept. Uh, because you could, they could say twenty-five percent debt to income ratio, and you could be at twenty-two percent. But you know, if um, something else in that application doesn't smell right to them, uh, they'll turn it down. So I think it's just uh, doing your research, uh, talking to the managing agent, you know, knowing somebody in the building, and uh, you know. Being able to gauge and like what's making going to be
4: sure you're working with a broker if yeah. you have a co-bro that is actually has you know a good handle on their buyer and is going to be leading them instead because when it's your exclusive it's the responsibility of the co-broker to try to fulfill the package in your way, in the exclusive agent's manner. Well, sometimes
3: you got to do the package for them, too, when they give you just a pile of (laughs) paper. I was going
2: going to say, you're exactly correct. However, we've all seen situations where, as the listing agent, if you don't get involved, it's not going to be done.
4: I've I've had two board turndowns in uh, probably 2,700 transactions. I've had two, and one of them... Interestingly enough, I started asking the questions when I started working with clients. I have a um we had a, an individual in the music business that made $600,000 a year in their 20s, purchasing an apartment and they had been in the business for 8 years and they filed their taxes at their home address in New Jersey. And it's a the board felt like it was a a manner of integrity because they live in the city and they're filing taxes at mom and daddy's and avoiding a 4% city tax. unincorporated yep. business
2: tax. I'm seeing, before we go to break, I'm seeing a lot of 10-year arms out there in condos. I mean, we see a lot of that in, in, in co-ops today and how are co-ops dealing with that if, if it is presented?
5: I mean, that's, that's a big risk maybe. I find that co-ops are very open to arms, as long as, like Louis says, they're not open to IO interest only. Is mm-hmm. they, there's something about it that just scares them? Uh, I think it's uh, not only they the, don't
4: understand it, maybe understand. right,
5: and they not only don't understand it; they don't like the term of it. Sometimes, you know, they they feel like this could be someone that could flip very quickly, um, and they're they're not interested in that. I, I mean, I'm doing a ten-year arm and buying a co-op, so they're very open to it. Um, I also like what Sean said because. I always like to go back to co-ops as everything, no matter what their you know rules and regulations and house rules are, everything is case by case because you could have the most perfect financial buyer and they could be rejected for some strange reason, like we said with the New Jersey thing. So, All right, we, ha- we have to take a break. We are live from
2: Blastoff Productions. This is Good Morning New York. We will be back after these messages. Don't go away.
1: Streaming live. The leader in internet talk radio voiceamerica.com
6: It's not easy to make it big in New York City. It's even harder to sustain that success for decades. However, two teams have defied those odds due to their formulas for success. Both have all-star rosters performing at the top of their game. Each have an undying commitment to greatness, a willingness to evolve, superior training programs, and ownership that invests heavily in their product it only seemed natural for the world's most valuable sports brand to partner with Halstead, a market leader in the New York metro area, and now proudly serving as the official luxury real estate firm of the New York Yankees.
1: Now, back to the show.
2: All right, buddy. We are back and continuing our theme this morning about co-ops. I want to talk about the co-op board application. So buying an apartment in a co-op is an exercise in financial exhibitionism. A board combs through your bank accounts, your tax returns, your testimonials. As I say, they undress you. If you pass muster, they grant you access into their cloistered world. But sometimes it doesn't. The board package, a dossier of financial and personal details, that can run hundreds of pages, offers a complete picture of you. So if the board sifts through that material and decides you're not good enough, it's hard not to take the news personally. And we've all seen this in our business. A board does not have to give you a reason for its decision. It can reject a candidate for any reason or no reason. So as long as it does not legally discriminate, whatever, uh, for scorn scorned buyer, the effect can be baffling. So what are the odds of being turned down by a co-op board? And what really happens when that does happen. And I want to get back to the point where it says they really cannot legally discriminate. So at the end of the day, for those out there in the listening audience who don't understand what a co-op is, they are private businesses, private corporations. They don't have to disclose anything about anything. So can they discriminate? Sure they can. Do they? Who knows? We hope they don't. But they can also turn you down. They can't
4: really blatantly discriminate. They can choose to vote not, not. without any reasoning um, there was a pretty famous case at the River House where the River House was sued for discrimination yeah. because <clears throat> one of the board members wrote down notes about the individual when they walk in and, um, and you know, referring to their color uh, of skin and or ethnicity, and they got sued.
5: Mm-hmm. I think there is a trend, though, that I'm seeing at least, especially downtown. Um, you know, I have not been in the business as long as Luis has been. I've only been in it for four years, but I, of those four years, I've only had one rejection. And um, it, it, actually, last year, I had a very big client of mine that we were that I was doing a deal with at a very esteemed co-op with a big broker that I love. And we found out from the board that they weren't going to interview the buyer, and that's a blatant you know just tool to say that we're going to reject them so we reacted and we basically said hey this you know we're not asking for the reasoning but here is some you know some more evidence that he's a great candidate and here's what he's willing to do if need be Um, and they quickly got back to us and got it approved and there was a little money held in escrow not even that much but I think there is a trend that you're seeing of co-ops being more flexible at that time, downtown especially, because it's just tough with all the condos that are out there.
4: Well, I think also you're seeing if you're going to just look at some of the more elite boards, um, those multiple restrictions are just not being tolerated. And the softest market today is the high-end Park Avenue, Fifth Avenue, Central Park West market where... People need to have two and a half times liquid assets. They can't. They don't allow wet renovations. They don't allow the footprint of wet over dry. Meaning, if you want to make a nice big master bathroom in your twenty million dollar apartment at the San Remo, they're not going to allow you to pull out. You know, um, enlarge those bathrooms. And people just aren't going to tolerate it anymore. Well, but let's
2: talk a little bit then about you know how how or why people get turned down. I mean, it's always a dramatic occurrence when you are turned down because you take it personally. You don't necessarily know why. Sometimes, you I know,
4: think, I think sometimes it's inexperienced brokers. Um, not 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 vetting properly. Not not taking the lead from a senior or a more seasoned broker. You know, who knows the board. And you need to do this, this, this. Listen, there's nothing wrong with not. I, I. The only reason why I'm any good is because I learned from somebody else who was more seasoned than me, mm-hmm. and and taking heed to those suggestions. But sometimes we don't have control over our buyers. They're like, absolutely not. I'm not doing that, which is unfortunate.
7: I completely agree with you, though, because I sold a, a $3.1 million apartment in Lower Fifth Avenue. And to be honest, when I was doing it, I didn't exactly know what I was doing. I had a very good you idea. You won't be the
4: first or the last, because <laughs> neither did I at times. I'm but. just very good at
7: faking it until I make it. So, But I, I spoke to the listing broker, and I was like, listen, tell me exactly what we need. This is very simple. He's a great buyer. We put it together, had no problems. The interview went great, and they got approved. So. You just have to go and ask. Never be afraid to ask for help.
2: That's what I tell people. Most, for those again, and listening out there, most of these board packages, as we call them, in, in in co-op sales, you know, they really are a financial disclosure, through and through, of everything about your life, your tax returns, your income, your you know, your debt to income ratio, you know, your bonds, your stocks, your other investments. If you own a second home, a third home. Whatever, you know, you've got to disclose everything. And oftentimes, you know, on a a financial statement, you know, we have issues with buyers who don't necessarily want to give you all that information. And, you know, to Louise's point that, you know, if you're working with a seasoned broker who understands what these buildings are looking for, you're better able to get that information from your buyer. Because what, what you produce and what you submit is really what they're reviewing and what they're going to pass you on or not. You know, and oftentimes they get turned down. You know, it it can be financially related. It cannot be. You know, you don't always know. But if you present a package that's what I like to call bulletproof, you're 90% there, I believe.
4: I think 98.9% there. The truth is, I don't think that boards, I mean, there are some buildings that have reputations of being fastidious. Um, And sometimes it becomes an opportunity to flex your muscles and have a moment of power. Um, However, I think... All in all, these are people that are really just trying to protect their community and look for good, decent people. So, I don't think that it's like us against them mentality 99.9% of the time. I think that they are trying to preserve a community that they have worked hard to, to you know, to maintain. shape.
2: Yeah. I agree, and you know, I, I always I agree with you when when I'm selling when I'm representing a buyer and I'm selling a co-op, and especially if I'm working with a listing agent who knows that building and has done deals in that building, and we all know who's who out there. I'm comfortable with that broker because I know he or she has done deals, board packages in that building multiple times, and I'm going to take the advice of that agent because I may know what I know, but I may not know everything about that building, and right. that's really what's yep. important, and that's what's going to make the package, and the candidate fly. Through the system,
4: right? There are trends, and I'm seeing on some of these Central Park West, Fifth Avenue, and uh, Park Avenue buildings, like 1185 Park. I have a a penthouse there for 18 and a half million, and the philosophy of the board is phenomenal, and that was very purposeful by the community of those individuals because it's attracted, you know, some of the most elite individuals in the city that could live anywhere. And they are very um, open-minded about work to be done and don't want to try to make everybody fit in a box financially, which is refreshing. Right. And 1100 Park also, it's like an old regime of board members has left. It's now a younger, they want, it's an all-cash building since the 50s. And they want they just approved after three years of consulting with them to make it a 50% finance building. It attracts a certain kind of individual that's different.
3: Very different. Uh, no, you know, I think every building's different, as I think it was as we illustrated. But, uh, you know, the only turndowns I had was with an agent, a younger agent who began working with me a few years ago. And he had two uh, board turndowns on a very nice studio on the Upper West Side. And, um, you know, we thought there was a little bit of discrimination going on based on the two turndowns. It was uh, two the same apartments? The same apartment, um, same building. Um, it was two unmarried couples, uh, both um, both actually Chinese couples, but they're fully American. So we thought maybe it was either, you know, some type of ethnicity issue or their marital status. Um, I think it was more marital status just maybe based on credit. the age of the board. What no, no, no. Credit? They were they were good. They were good. They. You know the DTI was was low. It was both first time buyers, but I just, you know, it was just those. They those two couples shared those two things in common, and that's the only reason I could think of why they were turned Oftentimes down. Oftentimes,
2: in my experience, I've only had one turn down, two turn downs in fifteen years. But but what I've seen in my experience, marital status can kind of freak out board members. Single people don't always fly through co op boards. Depending on building, you know, um, for a whole host of reasons, you know, board members are disapprove. I don't know what the what the issue is, uh, and that's why I said at the top of the show sometimes there's a little bit of discrimination that you don't necessarily, you can't necessarily pin down uh, because they don't state why they they turn people down. But but marital status or single people, I should say, male or female, <clears throat> can present uh, issues. Oftentimes two particular buildings. Louise, I wanted to ask you a question, though, because you've, you've played in this field longer than us. Where are you finding these days the boards being stickier? The Central Park West, uh, Fifth Avenue, Park Avenue, I mean, they, they're all relatively stern, for lack of a better word, but is any one of those boulevards more difficult these days than, than the others?
4: Um, I, I think that I would say that, generally speaking, not specifically, but generally speaking, the boards are trying to loosen their reins philosophically a bit because they're recognizing the elongated cell cycle they're recognizing that these restrictions Good point. they have other choices they don't have to be at 1088 park avenue they don't have to be at 300 central park west i mean actually the eldorado was actually quite forward thinking in their renovations policies but, that's interesting um, to hear yeah and and there are a lot of combinations that have happened you
3: no know, I, I think uh, even more difficult than the boards is the management companies and I think they to me in my experience a they, a present, roadblock. they they present more problems than a board will because they're typically disgruntled <laughs> um, you know they're overwork underpaid in a lot of cases and they they usually complicate the deal and cause the majority of the stress in my experience so um I would say you know, poor management companies can really complicate things. And sometimes you get to the board and the board's so easy and it's basically just like an introductory you know meeting uh, instead I, of an I keep I know? keep
2: threatening to do a show on managing agents and one of these days we're <laughs> gonna do that talking just about managing agents because let's try to Sean, leave their names off, right? I, leave their names off. But as Sean just mentioned, you know, sometimes well, first of all, all the time you're dealing with managing agents in a building, whether it's co-op or condo, and then you're dealing with the boards
3: in a building. So you've got two, you know, uh, uh, hurdles to get and, through. And when you and when you're doing board packages during holidays, that's when things get really dicey. But Very dicey. I got to say, this year, my assistant, my new assistant, she's awesome. She shout uh, out. She sent she sent uh, handwritten Christmas cards and cookies to all the managing agents we had board packages with, and you know, first week of January, our Board packages were approved, so maybe it works.
4: Well, I always find that sugar is always better than salt. Yeah, we catch some more bees with honey. It's, that's bizarre. and
3: and <laughs> and
2: food in this business always goes a long way, whether it's a food, managing agent or a sales in age. order, right?
4: <laughs> food, I booze, mean,
2: and money. That's right. Exactly. Just to
4: just to add a quick point, you know, like One Fifth Avenue, which is a, a co-op, and that's downtown. Very lower. fancy. And, you know, they used to be crazy. Yes, they And did. they're not today. So I, I think there's a tendency of, of wanting to have a little more of a relaxed and, you know, kind of remember that these are individuals who are just trying to make their homes and, and have a home. Change before you have to. All right,
2: we got to take a break. You were listening to Good Morning New York on the Voice America Variety Channel. We will be right back. Don't go away.
1: stimulating talk gets those
6: synapses in the brain firing really
1: fast all the time the number one internet talk station where your opinion counts VoiceAmerica.com.
0: now you can take your favorite voice america radio program with you anywhere sign up for our mobile app if you have an iphone android or blackberry the voice america interactive radio player powered by aircast gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere live and on demand no registration is required listen to your favorite voice america hosts and discover new ones download the voice america mobile app for iphone android or blackberry powered by aircast visit the apple itunes app store blackberry app world or android market
1: american heroes network is a program for and about our american veteran heroes and their families Join host Gary Ray as he shows what is being done to help our veterans and showcase the companies and organizations that are helping our veterans and their families rebuild their lives. Listen for American Heroes Network live and powered by the Voice America Variety Channel every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. Streaming live the leader in internet talk radio voiceamerica.com You are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco If you want to call into the program we're toll free in North America at 1-866-472-5788 That's 1-866-472-5788 Now, back to the show All right, everybody, we are back with Matthew Cohen from Core Real Estate,
2: Louise Phillips Forbes from Halstead Properties, Sean McPeak from Compass, and Ray Lord from Douglas Elliman. All right, is there any New Yorker who doesn't fantasize about renovating all or at least part of their apartment? We've talked about renovations on this program before. Renovations still go on. Renovations still happen. We doubt it. Given that, here is a fodder for those fantasies. Six New York City re- renovation trends that are popular at the moment, according to experts who help um, suggest, plan, design, and/or supervise renovations in the five boroughs. Number one is combining two or more apartments. Number two, warm or wooden, uh, warm and wooden floors, which is radiant heat. Three, open kitchens. They're still the rage. Four, redoing rooftops and outdoor spaces. Five, custom cabinetry and closets six digitizing homes or smart homes you know what folks out in the listening audience you know may not understand is when you're trying to renovate apartments here in new york it's a lot different than in a house there's all kinds of rules and regulations all kinds of time frames all kinds of issues with department of buildings etc cetera, etc cetera. in a house you own it you can do what you want to do you can work at three o'clock in the morning you can hire you know Uncle Joe, who has no license, you could do a lot of different things. Not good, but you can. Here in the city, we're protected. We don't want to be burning down buildings. A quick little story. I, I, was, um, I sold, uh, a, a, early in my career, on the Upper West Side, a brownstone floor-through apartment. And this guy wanted to renovate. And, and as we're going through the sale process, he said he wanted to take a wall down. And I said, you know, and the listing agent said, and the super of the building said, you can't because it's a bearing wall. Well, months later, he closed, he moved in, blah, blah, blah. What does he go and do? Take a wall down. Now he compromises the entire building, and boy, was he in a lot of hot water. So the wall had to go right back up right quick. So let's briefly discuss renovations here in New York City. I mean, the cost of it, the issues related to it, the Department of Buildings approvals. Louise always mentions wet over dry. There are things that we are very restricted to here in renovations, but yet I say a good percentage of buyers here renovate their apartments on a regular basis. Absolutely, well, there a renovation going on on my floor now in my building, driving me
5: insane. <laughs> of course, you know I always agree with most of what you're saying, but there is a but. Do do remember. Even in the suburbs with houses, this the towns actually provide regulations on things like hours that you can do construction. And in I, I just, correct. I just had an experience of that with a client of mine who just moved to the suburbs, and she she got a some notice from one of her neighbors because she her construction crew was working too early. And I was like, you just can't escape it, but but um. No, I mean, my favorite is always to hear, um, you know, what, not not really what the city reacts to, because I, I have found, I guess, in my experience, that the city is always a little more lenient than the co-op. Um, you know, in terms of a condo, though, even, they can sometimes be really They may be a little more well.
2: lenient than, than than the co-op board. I agree with you, or a condo board. But the problem with the city is the delay in, in approvals, because exactly. it's such that, a big institution. Right, it, you, it takes forever absolutely. to get approvals on things. Absolutely,
4: and absolutely. And- I will also just say that, remember that in vertical living, you know, what you do upstairs makes a difference downstairs. And, um, you know, I made a business decision to, when I bought in my building, which was 19% sold at the time, it was a co-op and it's on the Upper West Side, to get on the board. I was on the board for 13 years, you know, laying out the groundwork of how we should, the attitude that we should have around renovations. Fast forward, I ended up buying the apartment above me. I cut you know, an eight by eight hole in the building where I had to cut it a very specific way for the steel because the building was built in 1927. I moved my kitchen to where a bedroom and a bathroom was, uh, which That's is now aggressive. 19 by 16 feet large, and it is the nucleus of my, my home. Um, but we should be, technology is here. You know, it took me eight years to get my building educated to understand that through-the-wall air conditioning is much more healthier for the integrity of these pre-war detailed buildings than not. Than having them sit in a windowsill, window. dripping mm-hmm. all year round on the lentils and buckling the steel.
5: Right. And to Louise's point, you know, the whole idea of vertical living—you know, this is just something that is, in my opinion, normal. I, I would actually love to. I was thinking lately about how I'd love to dissect the Hong Kong real estate industry because, talk about vertical living—they're really living vertically. Um, but at the end of the day, for any co-op or condo building, someone renovating their apartment is only helping the building actually because it's making it That's more
7: attractive
2: mentality they should have and a lot of in the, especially in the pre-wars that Louise and I live in they in renovation plans today they almost require you 100% of the time to upgrade all the electricity and in some cases the plumbing stacks where you know that also helps the building going so, forward so so
4: we we established a a a, a rule that every time a wet, a wet wall was opened if somebody's retiling they have to replace every bit of the the branch and You know sections to the riser and that has enabled us to have today i mean i've done 58 transactions in my building myself and it's only a 65 unit building um but at this point we have all new plumbing which Mm -hmm. is really great for the long term of a 1927 building
7: same here same mine i will say if you don't want to deal with all that come to me in the hamptons it's much easier
2: we're going to get to that in a minute but anyway let's talk about a little bit about the these radiant floor you know concepts in in new development buildings you see a lot of them lately are you seeing any of them in renovations is it easy to do in existing buildings today to put radiant heat floors
4: well i would never do water coiled because mm-hmm. water coiled can be an issue if there is a leak. Mm-hmm. Um, Anywhere they do an electric mat underneath. They do an electric, electric mat. mat yeah. It yeah. used to be water coiled, which was a nightmare. A nightmare. A
2: nightmare, yeah. 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 No, I, the ones I'm familiar with are the electric mat, and mm-hmm. that makes more sense. That's but have we seen people do
3: that in, in New York City apartments?
2: Absolutely.
4: I, I, I think mean, it's I, more
3: prevalent in like a townhouse or something is my experience.
4: Oh, I have, I have it in all my development projects. I, I mean, do too. I just definitely, to I definitely yeah, sure.
5: think it's more... Um, just you know more popular in new developments and new construction but I will say my one of my new listings that I'm about to put on this seller every time I see him he's like tell everyone about the radiant bathroom floors like make it known. It's, and
3: you like, know what I do? I, I turn I'm them like on. I, when I, if you have, especially if you have a listing where oh, they yeah, take definitely. their shoes off,
5: you, you turn them on. When you get to the
3: apartment, they're that's, like, that's oh, great it's when
4: it's 96 degrees right I just, now. I, just, I, just I think it's funny. Yeah. <laughs> <burn. laughs>
5: it it, like, it's funny what makes people tick and what makes people think that things are worth so much more because of one specific detail. Radiant floors, maybe, once they feel um, them, they, that's, that's the, the way Radiant way floors them, you
6: know. are the
2: bomb. I have them in my new development building now. They're amazing. They're Did you just say the bomb? They're the bomb. okay. Let me ask, let me ask, Let me ask you about open kitchens (laughs) because, you know, the trend goes closed, open, closed. It's been open for a while. Where are we today?
4: I think the open is still a great majority, but I have to say that I am seeing a trend where people are wanting it to be a little more formal. Um, So I think it's kind of interesting because I- I I, am too. That's why I'm I'm asking the question. I've got 28 construction projects going on right now with my developer and- you know, we go through this internally in my team asking when people, because we document the feedback. Oh, well, I don't like open kitchens. We document it. And um, what
7: is that demographic, though? Because I feel like for us, three bigger questions.
4: apartments, bigger apartments, so, so, bigger family, so apartments, family-, exactly. family size uh, and um, well, not only that, I think it's also <coughs> utilizing four walls for your kitchen instead of. Two and a half,
5: mm-hmm. right? And bigger apartments tend to entertain more, and yet, yeah, people—a lot of people who like to entertain would rather have the closed kitchen so that they can have the privacy. Or so you have
3: both, best of both worlds, like four four three Greenwich, they have like these amazing large kitchens, um, totally enclosed. But it's like you can, you know, you can
4: have an apartment inside. Oh God. God, Shout beautiful. out to Nancy Ruddy. Uh, Good job, Nancy. Dude, what a beauty!
2: <laughs> yeah, I live in a pre-war, so mine is closed. Did you open your kitchen when you did your renovation, or you? you left
4: no, I, 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 I have. I have two refrigerators, two wood, uh, two stoves, two dishwashers. So it's a chef's kitchen. It's a chef's kitchen yeah. with a six-foot. See, that's what, I, that's
2: what I fantasize to have. One of these days, you can Something. come
4: over for dinner.
2: <laughs> Absolutely, anytime. But that's what I would.
4: Prefer. We're making ribs tonight.
2: Oh. Well, he <laughs> convinced, attention. but he got my attention. But but the open concept I get because you know you see this all over the country, all over the land. I'm
3: sure you see it down in the Hamptons, yeah. but here in the city, certainly in new developments, it's open. I, I agree with you guys. So it's the demographic. It's like, are right, we having yes. drinks in my kitchen, yeah. or is my countertop for my seamless bags, or am I going to use that? You know.
5: <laughs> no, you yeah. Have. I also hey. think. What about just meeting in the middle and having a pass through? I, I I find that a lot of people like something in the middle. So or even for having people, right, yes. right, exactly. Like some kitchens, you can even do both. To and close some of it and then you know have it really a depends open on counter. where the
4: kitchen's located yeah. and what wall you're utilizing for your living room correct yeah let's
2: quickly talk before we move on to other things you know what is the typical cost of you know let, let's spe- uh, make it specific to a kitchen because you know you see all of these hgtv programs and sometimes i'm amazed and we were talking about it earlier with um uh with somebody you know Eleven thousand dollars to do a kitchen, seventeen thousand dollars to do a it's kitchen. possible outside of New York City. Can we achieve no, that we here? No, we can do
4: that here. We can, we can okay. do that here. Listen, it's value engineering. And for example, I had four nickels and a quarter when I bought my first apartment, and I, you know, I had to piecemeal my renovations because I just didn't have the cash. And um, you know, for example, I used a four-inch countertop. Of walnut that I sanded, poly, and finished it, but I, I literally meant to have it for like two years. I had it for eight years because it cost me four hundred dollars instead of eight thousand dollars for a for a stone countertop. So I think the opportunity is in the in the biggest um, component to really think about is get the asset. Then you can you can Im- you can improve it over time, and the the access to. Valued buys is everywhere. It's also the
5: idea of being. It's one of the problems with the
4: retail market.
5: And not being brand oriented, I always find, you know, my good friend Ray Lord and I love this store <laughs> called Perch um, in Soho. There are other ones Birch? in the suburbs. It's amazing, oh, it's amazing. if yeah, you haven't been. To Israel, go,
7: it's yeah,
5: like during it's your a, coffee it's break, it's a mortgage
6: payment. It
2: tells payment me about bakeries that I've never heard about on the <laughs> Upper West Side. Now he's talking about Perch. It's amazing. amazing.
1: You
5: can you can go and see all different stoves and kitchens and bathrooms, uh, and you can turn uh, on all these uh, shower heads. It's really cool. But one of my you most the shower heads on, very, like, yes, it's, it's like it's a very five cool. million
4: dollar build out. People like out.
5: us are upset, like, we go and we could spend hours there. Um, I but love I, that kind of stuff. I actually have a lot of my clients go with their designers and architects, and they get ideas, and you know. Just a really good example is something like people love Carrera marble these days. So you don't have to get the actual Carrera marble, but you can get a surface that looks very similar. There's a lot of knockoffs or something. Carrera marble, yeah. And it looks just as nice, and it reacts just as well. And it's probably ten to $20,000 less. So yeah. there are ways of cutting those corners. Yeah. Um, so overall, you think that,
2: um, renovations are here to stay? I mean, I, I heard somebody say to me the other day, you know, I don't think it's really worth it to renovate my apartment because I don't think I'm going to get any more value out of it when I sell it a year from now
3: or two or three. And I thought, mm, well, well I pay, tell if you overpay for it, you're not going to get your value back.
4: Well, but hold on, hold on. I mean, I think that, that my advice has always really been renovate <clears> for yourself and for your own enjoyment correct don't renovate to sell don't have that what you know and and that is really <clears throat> the the premise of of all decisions for myself and my experience and my guidance to my to my clients is do do for yourself. But, but would you, not you recommend against like a hyper personalized you know let's say someone put in red lacquer cabinets yes,
3: no in their kitchen
4: and they you
2: well know, there you is one of those like on
4: crazy. 91st Street right now
2: oh, yeah <laughs> all right we have to leave it there we have to uh, take a break uh, coming back we're going to talk away talk about takeaways for success we are live from New York this is Good Morning New York we'll be back right after these messages
1: don't go away. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station.
6: VoiceAmerica.com It's not easy to make it big in New York City. It's even harder to sustain that success for decades. However, two teams have defied those odds due to their formulas for success. Both have all-star rosters performing at the top of their game. Each have an undying commitment to greatness, a willingness to evolve, superior training programs, and ownership that invests heavily in their product. It only seemed natural for the world's most valuable sports brand to partner with Halstead, a market leader in the New York metro area, and now proudly serving as the official luxury real estate firm of the New York Yankees. Here on the Voice America Variety Channel, stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain
1: firing really fast all the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll free in North America at 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. Now, back to the show. All right, everybody. We are back. And as I said at the top of the show, what makes you different makes you
2: stronger. Take who you are, what you have a passion for, and what you enjoy and mold your business around. Do not let your business shape who you are. These are the words of Ray Lord, who is one of our panel members today. And I wanted to talk a little bit about what makes you different. And what makes you more successful, and how you can, you know, really achieve whatever goal you want to. And and you know, we are all in the real estate business here in New York City, uh, and in the Hamptons, we are all successful in our businesses. And we, you know, you learn the ropes as you go through. But there are certain personal things that you can do for yourself uh, to coach yourself into being successful. I firmly believe that if you if you want success. You have to find it on your own. No one's going to give it to you. But those are these are things that we do within ourselves to project outwardly to make you know things come to us. So you know Ray has put together this white paper um, on a whole bunch of things. We'll get to some of them today. But Ray, talk a little bit about you know what inspired you to write this and what you know you think you you
7: personally have gotten out of this. Yeah, the inspiration was I work with a lot of. Um, new agents in the business or I bring them in. And there was one in New York that I happened to meet with. It was going to be a simple coffee meeting and it worked out to be two hours. <laughs> and we talked about a bunch of different things. But as I as I realized, I said to him, I'm like, listen, there's going to be a lot of information that like spills out of my mouth right now just from six years of doing this. And after I kind of like had a self-reflection and said, well, wow, that's, that's too much for him to take. So I sat I sat down and wrote what's in front of you right now, but it really came out of, you know, the first thing I realized, you have to define success, right? It's like, what is success to you? And I don't think if you're going into any industry, whether it's real estate or music or whatever, you never go into it, case in point with renovations, actually, as like, this is, I'm doing this just for the money or for success, because I, I went into real estate on a whim. It was total spontaneity. Where I grew up, real estate agent was, I didn't even know what a real estate agent was. I, mean, it, I. It had, I never paid attention to it. So when I went into it, it was total spontaneity. And then I just did all these baby step things that people, people can look at anyone, like any of us at this table right now and say, you know, you're know, you super successful, you make X amount of money. I guarantee you, we didn't go into it ever even knowing we would become this quote unquote successful. And I never actually look at it as successful. I look at it as like, I just do my job. I happen to do pretty well and better than most. And if that, the result of that is success, then you I am. But
4: isn't it also, to me, success is defined by fulfillment and, um, and, and feeling purposeful. And so when I think about, it, I mean, I was a dancer and I used to work with special needs children. So nowhere in that has to do with real estate. <laughs> so like many people, we get into real estate through the back door. And what I came to learn was that I had to figure out, I was uncomfortable with the idea of making money. And so when somebody, you know, asks me, I still, when I talk about money, my accent comes out. Like I'm, I, 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 because.
2: I can't be drinking water when you say that. No, (laughs) but I'm telling
4: you, listen to it. I'm like, y'all, let's just talk for a minute here. But the truth is, is that I had to figure out what made me tick and being of service and how my home feels to me and the importance of it felt incredibly privileged to be a part of that process. Yeah. And so when you come from that basis, then everything else falls in place.
5: Exactly. I agree. I mean, I like the term of fulfillment. I I love, you know, when I came into the business, I I just love real estate. I love architecture and I wanted to experience it with people that I care about. So I really like Being with my clients who I always consider more than that and really just experiencing a life moment with them, whether it be the first time by, you know, they just had kids, um, you know, empty nesters. Um, I really get a lot of fulfillment to Louise's point from that. Um, but I, I will say I think there's a topic that has been being discussed a lot in, a, in different firms and um, I also just like Ray work with a lot of newer agents and I think it's very typical of younger successful brokers like us for these newer agents to approach us um, and I always like to make it a big point outside of the fulfillment and why you're really doing this about how you survive in the business in New York and there's more than one type of broker. There's more than one type of way to be successful. And I think that's extremely important because, um, you know, one of my mentors, Emily Bear, I love her to death. And she always taught me, you know, you don't have to be a bully. You don't have to be a hard ass broker. You can be a very nice broker who is great to work with who you know you are collaborative and that's who I always aim to be obviously we have our moments um, but I think it's really important for people out there specifically new agents to know that they can be the broker they want to be and still be successful We're going to talk we're going
2: to talk specifically about you
5: know how success relates to our profession but I also
2: agree with what Louise said on the, the word fulfillment I think so many people in this world go to work every day and they make money either a little bit or a lot of it and they're not necessarily happy in their professions mm-hmm. and their careers I think we all here are feel fulfilled and love our careers I know I do. And when you wake up in the morning, I wake up with that little glimmer in my eye thinking, I don't know what to expect today, but that's a good thing. It's never, yeah, the, our same, plan right. it's never the same. Because it's never the same. And that's what I, I love. I also
4: thought that I was getting to a business about architecture and brick and mortar, right. but it's actually <clears throat> the business of people. Mm-hmm. Oh, totally. And, and I feel like I'm a, s-
7: a psychologist. It just uh, You could I love like all these elements of these people. It,
2: <laughs> but it's really all about people. And I think
7: our our uh, d- 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 who we are brings us to the the success of working with well, that, these people. That was exactly the point of what I said with that when I was speaking to him. I was like, don't go into it listening to all these brokers that you have to be this way, you have to be a hard ass, you have to do this. Go into it with what what makes you you, whether you're closer to my time and region, but you know, if you're a surfer, if you love horses and you're into equestrian stuff, if you're into architecture, go in with all of that and then make the business around that. I have a, a woman in my office who Pretty much exclusive deals with equine properties, like with horses, and she loves the horses and she gets a lot of clients from that. I have a guy who's a, an avid surfer. He he makes deals on a surfboard. I mean, it's just insane.
4: I love yeah, that. Yeah, I, I need I, to know him. I, I'm probably I out there riding with him. I I I'd
7: like to know that guy too. Go and ahead. to raise the point,
5: you know, another question that newer agents always ask me. Um, I don't know how you feel is you know how do you network? How do you get out there? And to your point of, I always say, don't I hate the word network. I, I hate the word marketing yourself, the term of marketing yourself. you know, be involved and do things in your life that you love to do exactly. And if you go about it in that, focus you'll never be unsuccessful because it's, it's the
4: version of of it's through attraction not promotion yes and um and being generous with your knowledge and experience and being approachable those are all the things that are i think crucial to really help an individual build a business because you're just Treating somebody the way you want to be treated and living your life a certain way. Some of the points
2: that Ray points out in his paper here, knowledge is power. Communicate properly. Don't be too proud. Build and maintain relationships. As Louise said a minute ago, this is a people business. This is the thing that we all discover. You go into it for X reason, and then you realize, okay, what is who is really your product? Who are you really dealing with every day? It's the people, the sellers, the buyers, the renters the managing agents, the co-op boards, we are dealing all the time with people. So it, it's, it's these elements, uh, I think that Ray points out, that make you successful or will keep you on that successful path. You know, one of the things I like when I read this is, you know, uh, when you're pitching or, or an exclusive, or you need to talk to a client, go to the client's residence and talk to them versus picking up the phone, texting them, emailing them. Yeah, we all do those things because it's it's necessary from time to time. But if you have the opportunity to go and. You know, sort of the expression "touch and feel" and and FaceTime with your 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 client that goes a long way. So these are these are elements in a very competitive um, situation, very competitive industry that we are all in in both of these markets uh, that I think
5: make you successful and just track wait, everything. Oh, really quickly, sorry, and just be who you are. You know, there's At, never a one hundred. Um, industry to just be who you are and be appreciated for who you are than the real estate world. I mean, us four here, we are all different brokers. We have all different you know, ways of doing business, but at the end of the day, we're all ourselves. All right. Great show, everybody.
2: We are out of time. That is our show for today. Thanks to my guests and panel as always. We will be back next week. Be kind to one another for all of us at Voice America all around the world. Thanks for joining us and I will see you next
1: time. Goodbye, everybody.